welcome pudding people to another episode of everybody loves pudding we are your hosts ken seymour and richard geiger how are you good sir doing well well i was doing well until we got to watch this movie that we're going to be doing a very fun review on today i think so i think in fact that our review may even be more fun than watching the movie itself (laughs) Well, that's not saying much. So let's let's set our standards a little bit higher than that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, obviously, for those of you that have been with us for uh, a number of years now, we do movie reviews. And it's been a little while. There's not been as many movies coming out that we've been able to really get to or maybe more accurately that we've really wanted to get to. Uh, the whole comic book scene is kind of where we have our bread and butter, certain science fiction things, and it's just been slowed down because of the pandemic. But now things are starting to maybe pick up just a little bit, and we are getting back to it. Now, if you have been with us before, you know how this goes. But for those of you that are new, how does this work, Richard? Well, we look at a movie and we break it down into a couple specific categories. We give those categories some scores. And based out of a total point system of 100, we'll give it a grade. So let's say we get 70 points for a movie. That means it gets a C, we'll call it, a C minus. And in the reviews in the past, we've talked about this a little bit too, where if a movie comes up with a score that is a 70 or a 60, it sounds like it's bad. We lost a lot of points for various reasons, but really, that's not bad. A score in the 70s is an average movie. Uh, a score in the 60s is a passing movie. So we really, really want to look for those ones that maybe are below the 60s or the ones that are above the 80s or 90s, right? Because those are the really awesome movies or the really awful movies so we'll see what this one scores and what range it actually ends up in now sometimes we may analyze the film and we may give very specific scores to the individual categories and that doesn't always directly reflect how we feel about the film so we give ourselves a little bit of leeway in a bonus section as it were to either remove points or add points for whatever reason that we feel is necessary to get it to kind of where we want it to be it's my favorite way to skew a movie to the point uh, total that I want it to. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Now, also, for those of you that have paid attention, there is a new aspect to our movie review sort of thing that we do. It's not directly related, but it sometimes have uh, a little bit of overlap. Uh, we have the pop culture death counts where... I go through movies and televisions and uh, just the television, not what's playing on the television, but the television itself. And I go through and count kills for whatever program or whatever movie and just to see how death laden it actually is. And I did a death count for the movie we're reviewing, Army of the Dead with, you know, Zack Snyder. Uh, Fine work, right? Did you count all the viewers watching it as dead? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're still turning. I think they're infected, and it's just going to take a little while for something to happen. Um, But, yeah, so you have a little something to kind of look at. If you go to our website, everybodylovespudding.com, there's an entire list. So if you feel like it while you're watching this, you can take a look at the death count because it is there, and it kind of goes through a little bit of kind of actually some of the issues in some ways that – that were had with the film because it it spilled over into understanding what what is a kill what does a zombie mean all that sort of stuff so we kind of we go into it and actually is currently ranking very high on our list as of its release uh number two on our list as of its release so it's a lot of dead people it is quite a bit But let's just kind of jump on into it. Uh, The first category that we're going to tackle, uh, we often like to start in this particular section because it's easier and it kind of sets the tone because this individual is at the reins. They are the person that is setting the tone for the film. So we're going to go with director. Uh, It has up to 20 points that it can be assigned. And uh, this particular director, we've had some experience with him. Uh, We reviewed... Very recently, the Snyder Cut for the Justice League. And of the things that he's done, that might be one of the best things that he has done. 
and he's got a distinct well. We'll get there. Well, opinions may vary on that one, of course, too. <laughs> but he's got a very distinct style. If you like slow motion and weird music over overlays, then hey, Zack Snyder is your director of choice for sure. But he's had some other movies in the past. We've talked about 300, for example, and how I think 300 is just an, a not great movie and overrated. And lots of people really like that movie. And he's done lots of other items here and there too more recently in the dc world but you could uh, you could tell that this was a Zack snyder movie um and it it really showed it definitely did i mean so you know we often talk a lot of these categories are are less specific than they really could be because there's so many people uh that are part of making a film happen but uh ultimately for the director we're kind of looking at the overall vision of the film we're looking at how well he got all of the departments to uh, work together and create whatever it was we're looking at a lot of times there's there's um, a little bit of overlap with writing just in the sense that um, if it's a pre-existing piece of fiction that's being converted into a movie well the the tone and and the feel is going to be adjusted by uh, you know obviously the studio but also the director uh, but even if it's a more original piece, it's still going to be ultimately the the feel that that person has had with this particular subject is going to just play directly out because they they have a vision. If you've ever seen an interview with Zack Snyder, you will see his enthusiasm for what he does. Uh, he really gets into it, has a lot of passion, so he has clear understanding of how he wants things to turn out and how he wants people to interact and how the script should go. So a lot of this does just kind of lie directly with him. And the first, very first note that I have written on our, uh, on my notes for this particular movie is big capital, long stretched out letters, slow motion. <laughs> and if you, if you watched at all the Snyder cut, like we talked about, You'll know exactly what we're what we're talking about. It's it's so frustratingly annoying, and obviously, with that being the first note, it was the first thing I was like, "Oh my gosh, here we go again." So it's very Zack Snydery, and it's really frustrating. Well, and that's and that's kind of what it is for me. The director, the very beginning on how I'm going to feel about a film is a result of a handful of different things. You get the the hype from social media and the advertising that's going to come along with it. You get the trailer that's going to give you just that little bit of tease. But once you understand who is involved with a project, I very much looked to that director seat. How is that going to inform how I feel going into the film? How is that going to adjust my expectations? Now, I am not the biggest Snyder hater in the world and I'm not the biggest Snyder lover in the world there are some of his things that I've liked and some that I just haven't I think a lot of it is where he is coming from doesn't work for me it's not generally an issue we're not talking about quality here uh, at least I'm not at least with this particular point I'm not going to say that what he does generally is bad it's not about good or bad it's about the tone and the feel uh, if you go into a Michael Bay film, you know what to expect, generally speaking. There's a very specific style. Same thing with Zack Snyder, and it just doesn't usually sit well with me. And I would say the same thing, too. It's, his movies all play out to be very, very similar. And he's done some movies that are R and some movies that are like PG-13. So he's had the opportunity in these movies to either get all the bad words out or get the blood and gore out or whatever the scenario is. And I generally speaking am, am a person who is selfish when it comes to the movies. And I like the, the R rated and the hard R with the bad words and the, the violence and blah, blah, blah. And... When you talked about expectations and you talk about the advertising, uh, there was a lot of, I feel like, not hype, but a lot of excitement for this movie. I don't think it was hyped. 
I think it was presented as something fun, something different, right? Something that was supposed to be out a while ago, but they had some, you know, obviously issues in, in terms of timing. And for I think both of us, we had really tempered expectations on what this movie would be, knowing that it was a Zack Snyder movie. So that all that automatically kind of dips the director score a bit. Yeah. And I don't think we need to beat a dead horse too much on this because a lot of the issues that both of us had with this film will play out in the other categories. But going with the expectations and going with uh, our history of, of dealing with this particular individual's work and seeing the choices that were made in, in the direction that the script went and the direction that some of the some of the set pieces went. Um, yeah, it, uh, I definitely had some issues with it. So without getting into too much on this particular category, I think we can go straight to scores and then we can talk about the cast. Now for me, um, like I said, I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder hater. I'm not his biggest lover. That to me, especially with the way this film went out for the director, probably about a middle of the road score. So I'm going to give him a 10 out of 20. Now, since he's so good, uh, I gave him a five. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, Richard likes him very much. Yeah. Now, I'll preface this by saying the Snyder cut of the Justice League, as, as bad as it actually could have been, as long as it was, that was at least something that I had an interest in watching again in bits and pieces because it was something different there were some really bad aspects of it, but there was something different. It was something to see something to kind of experience, but this movie, uh, there's (laughs) no, I'm not going to watch this one again. And he's large reason why a solid five for Richard. All right, well, let's go into the cast. Now I know we're a little split on the casting to a certain extent, uh, as well, but I mean, um, you know, it's always nice when you can get a film that has an all-star cast. Um, this film, while I would not call it an all-star cast, has a very solid grouping of actors involved. I mean, they're people that we know. They're people that we've seen between the two of us in other projects and have liked their work in the past. Um, so it's it, it. I think it is a good starting point i mean this really is kind of the starting point for for me in a lot of movies that uh, the director is a little something but if the cast is right they could be just talking about their laundry plans for the day and it'll be fine with me and it'll be just great um so the big thing is can dave batista carry this film what do you think richard no that's all my answer. That's all your answer is. So here's the thing about his performance, let's say, in this movie. It's not like he was awful. It's just that he wasn't very believable, let's call it. So as we watched the first part of this movie, I have written down here my notes uh, with a capital all. <laughs> They're all bad actors. Is, is like line number three that I've got right here. So the performances, you know, through the beginning of this movie were all just either overstated in their performance or just really dull in the performance and, and not believable. And I think in terms of uh, Dave Bautista, like we said, in terms of him carrying a movie, do I think he could carry a movie? Eh, maybe. Uh, was he able to carry this one? Uh, not so much. His character wasn't even the most enjoyable character in the movie. Not that there were many, but... Well, and that really doesn't mean anything, though, too, because the the lead actor, is, or let me rephrase that, the, the, the main character is often not going to be the most interesting character in anything that you watch. It's just, for me, that question is, A, is this person's name enough to pique people's interest into going to see the film in the first place? And the answer to that is yes for Dave Bautista because he's kind of a hot property. Two, does he have charisma and acting chops to believably think that he could carry 
and what in this is is an action horror film. From what we have seen with Guardians of the Galaxy and some of the other stuff, again, I think that answer is yes. Now, did he achieve that here, and was that his fault? I don't think he achieved it, but I'm not convinced it was his fault. I think he actually did have a decent amount of charisma, but you can have on the echelons of skill in terms of acting, you can have a great deal of skill and a great deal of charisma, and it will compensate for flat characters and bad writing to a certain extent. Only the absolute best of the best can turn just nothing into something. And while I really like Dave Batista, I don't think he was given enough meat on this to work with, with the skill set that he has, to really bring it to where it needed to be. Um, that's kind of where I am on that one. Well, that does go back to the director scores and <laughs> how low they were. Part of the responsibility of the director is to bring the essence of the character out from the actors and actresses, right? Yeah. Give them a vision, at least plant some seeds, find the best of the performances. And maybe he did find the best of the performances. Uh, I, that's, I don't know. But, it's hard to say. Uh, and, and it's not, okay. And it's not just Dave Batista. We're talking about him because he's the one that's quote at the top of the list. Right. He's the one headlining. Right. There's a lot of other great faces in here who were just, mediocre at best in in what we were saying at least what i was saying ella purnell as kate did okay um i didn't like the character but talking about the acting she did okay uh omari hardwick um was one of the more enjoyable performances i felt he didn't have nearly enough screen time really to do much of anything with it but the screen time he had he did pretty well um Ana de la Rodriga, or sorry, de, de, de la Roguera. Uh, this is one of those instances, if you're new to the show, I'm very good at just completely mangling names. And every time I apologize because I'm apparently just befuddled. But <laughs> I could see it coming. I knew that one was going to be the challenge. Yeah. There's another one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try for it. We're going to see what happens. But uh, but we'll go from there. Um she did okay. Um, you've got Theo Rossi, who I love. Um, he did shades in the uh, in the Luke Cage show on Netflix, and I thought he did a great job with that. He's been on some other shows too, where we have both enjoyed his performances. He, um, I felt him. I felt him trying a lot in this film, but again, didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah, he was probably so. I, I we were talking about this movie uh, before we kind of came on here right now, and I mentioned before we got on that Ella Purnell I thought probably did one of the the best of the bunch, and that Theo Rossi we kind of agreed was one of the better ones as well, just because we like him so much. But the. It, Yes, I get. Let, we'll just, let's just say he was probably a quote bright spot, maybe. Definitely, and uh, you know some of the people that we've got on this are maybe not so familiar. Uh, I'm not real familiar with Matthias Schweighofer, um, but as Dieter, I thought he was decent. Uh, <laughs> well played on the pronunciation, by the way. Very good. Uh, you're right. He was fine. Yeah, I mean, not too bad. Now, one of my favorite ones that I saw in here, there are a couple uh, actors that I, I just really love. Garrett Dillahunt. Uh, man, I love that dude. He had a, a recurring role on Burn Notice where I thought he did a really good job, so I, I was real happy to see him in this. He's been in quite a few things that I've enjoyed, except for this one. <laughs> the part didn't have much to it. Um, and we just talked about uh, Hiroyuki Sonata not too long ago. Oh, Mortal Kombat. Right. So, I mean, and he, of course, is in The Last Samurai as one of my favorite characters. And he looked so tired in this film. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he had a big role. But the small role that he did have was kind of not his best work. Uh there's not much for him to do 
yeah. honestly, in in this one too. So it kind of showed, yeah. unfortunately. But he got that money. Yeah, and, that, and of course we had to deal with that casting change. Uh, we had uh, a comedian that had to be completely replaced and was replaced by Tig Notaro, who I happen to generally like. Uh, her stand-up uh, I think is pretty fun. Uh, her part on Star Trek Discovery is is a fun part. I th- I think she generally does pretty good. I'm not certain Richard has the same love for <laughs> for Tig that I do. So the one thing I will say, now this goes to the cinematography aspect of the film, is that I didn't, I, I've forgotten that she was a replacement. So I didn't notice, at least production-wise, that she had been filled in in terms of things that had, in replacement of things that had already been filmed. So uh, kudos to the behind-the-scenes stuff. But her portrayal of this particular character in this movie was okay kind of cringy at times but like not not awful well we're not talking about like matthew broderick awful here (laughs) we're just talking like not very good uh now don't bring matthew broderick into this we're not talking about godzilla we're not talking about the best 80s movie of all time ferris bueller's day off but uh he would have played a great zombie (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one of these days i'm going to get him i'm going to get him on the show and i'm going to have him just berate you that's going to be the most fun episode of all time and we will explain to you why he is fantastic but enough about that so so basically you see what we're getting at here this is a solid cast generally speaking if you see these names you think oh that's pretty good but it doesn't feel like it reflects in in the product of the film so what does that make your score uh that gives me a still kind of a middle road thing i'm gonna go with 11 out of 20 i was similar i did a 10 out of 20 yeah so i mean not 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 the worst that it could be but not what we would necessarily hope um it's not as awesome as say these ads Don't forget putting people to catch us on all of our social media to keep up to date with what's going on in the world of pudding. Where are you most active, Richard? Well, you could see some of my activity on our Instagram account. Would that happen to be at Pudding Guys? That one would, yes. Amazing. You know what? That is also our Facebook so you can about once a month <laughs> see, see if you're something. lucky. If you're lucky, we'll post something on Facebook. We're probably most most on Twitter at Real Pudding Guys, but of course you can catch us on Patreon as Pudding Guys. That's right. Where for just one dollar a day, you can support us as we bring you new interviews, new material, new stuff to make our interviews and material look better. It's just fantastic for only a dollar a month. A paltry not a lot. No, it's, not really. It really isn't. That's actually $12 over the course of a year. Right. Small change to help the pudding guys keep going. And we love our supporters. We look forward to seeing you on social media. And wasn't that just a breath of fresh air, right? Maybe two breaths. <laughs> Just just a couple of breaths. Um, but back into our dissection of the uh, the corpse uh, that, that is this film. Kind of feels appropriate, right? DOA is that one. So, yeah. yes, we'd be chopping it up for sure. A little bit. So let's talk about costuming and props. A lot of times we don't go into a massive amount of detail on this. And in this instance, we're not going to go into a massive amount of detail on this. Um, I thought the, this was one of the better spots of the film. I thought the costuming and the props were fine. Uh, the, the costumes looked like people clothes because that's what it was. There's nothing special. The army people looked like army people. Uh, you had some nice vehicles. Uh, I know you had some issues with the sound of the firearms. Yeah, but that's is that part of this category or is that more the cinematography piece? I'd or? say it's part of this category. Yeah, I have that written down here, too. Um, the guns just... Okay, the guns in Call of Duty sound way better than the guns in this particular movie. 
they just have this plasticky fake sound and i don't understand i've seen it before in other movies too i just don't understand why you wouldn't do authentic sounds unless it's just cheaper and easier to do the the fake sounds that you get i i that really frustrated me through the whole movie but it doesn't sound nearly as awesome uh, if if you get to make your own sounds, uh, then then you can kind of have it be whatever your imagination would be. I I have no idea. Truthfully, I've I've no I don't have a lot of firearms experience. So if you uh, shot a uh, nine millimeter Beretta and then shot say uh, uh, a Sig Sig Sauer, that's a gun, right? I do believe so. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between. Them. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. I I couldn't tell you if. There was an M60 or an M16 or an M4. I don't know what those sound like, but when you watch movies and they have the same sound and you play games and they kind of have the same sound, but then all of a sudden you watch this and it's a completely different sound, I'm going to guess the, all the other ones that had the same or same sound are probably the most accurate of the bunch. Mm. And it, I don't know, it just really, really annoyed me that you can even get those things right. And had I known that that was going to be included in the cinematography, the costume and props, <laughs> I might change the score. But <laughs> anyway, the score is fair because the rest of the things, you're right, were pretty good. Like yeah. the, the clothing that was all torn and tattered. And then, of course, you had zombies that were in different, quote, Las Vegas style attire. Those were fine. And the actual look of the guns were fine. And the... The shipping containers. Those look like shipping containers. That's yeah. a prop. So like oh, the rest of it was fine. Those there was nothing that guns. needed to be like out of the ordinary that had to be felt like it had to be researched. This is all just kind of standard fare stuff. So there shouldn't have been too much to it, really. So for that, out of 10, I gave costuming a 9. Uh, I got a 7 for that. Yeah. Similarly, locations. We often don't um, focus too heavily on this unless the particular film uh, or television show is going to be moving from place to place to place and it plays a pivotal role. I mean, yeah, we're in Las Vegas, uh, post-apocalyptic Las Vegas and a handful of other secondary locations. Nothing really jumped out at me as being, wow, that's amazing. I always like when I can just get that one thing that goes like that. That set was just so good. Or that choice of location was so neat. We got desert, man. Desert and broken buildings. And nothing that was too detracting either. No. You were stuck in the same place. There wasn't very many other places to go to. So that, that was fine. And the look of the buildings and their interior, that was fine. It's fine. <laughs> That's kind of kind of the theme here, and I don't think we really need to stick on location for very long. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it, 7 out of 10. Same. Yeah. But cinematography, this is where things get a little stickier. Uh, and this has 20 points that we can assign to it. Um, I had several issues with the cinematography, and this also includes the special effects. Um, now, you, you talked about... Tig's being replacement, not having too much of an issue. Uh, there was at least one that really bothered the crap out of me, and that was the cigarette smoke. I don't know if it was CGI or if it was practical, but it looked absolutely fake. It looked terrible, like distracting. My eyes had to go right towards it, sort of bad on that smoke. And even the... The flashy, quote, camera angles, I guess you could say, where they're trying to do the scenes of, oh, the bad, like the zombies are coming. And then was it me or were there some times where it had this weird lighting to it as well? Yeah, it's like a tone thing. Yes. And the having Zack Snyder, you know, I would say has tone, different set tones and different scenes. And that's fine. That's part of your. That's part of your directing style, but there's just somewhere it was like when they went outside and they're going from one building to another and it was sunlight outside. It didn't look like it was sunlight. It looked like it was 
Washed out. Washed out. And I know that's probably something or filter that they're trying to apply to make it look a certain way, but it just looked mm. just looked off. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, and, and I understand that trying to get a kind of a washed out, wastelandy feel, but just because something's a wasteland, it doesn't mean that it's everything's going to blend into each other. It's basically what that ended up achieving, and that was not helpful. Uh, sometimes... Uh, you will do that because you have the one thing you want people to pay attention to. That's the brightly colored, here's my shiny object, everything else is washed out, and so pay attention. I didn't really see that, generally. It was just washed out when they were outside. Um, that was a big issue. But there were things that I liked, like in the, the fall of Las Vegas scenes. I liked the little, um, the little kind of... Uh, family portrait studio moments that the individuals had as they were shown having to cope with the whole zombie thing. I thought that that cut together was kind of nice. Nothing wrong with having like two nice scenes in an entire movie. (laughs) Trying to think what else here too. Uh, The, the look when you look at the cinematography, like the, the, a lot of the focus was on the one building, right? So yeah. we talked about buildings and locations, but then you have to go inside and it's a present. They had to do a presentation of this building because this was once an opulent, opulent place with people dancing and, you know, um, slot machines and dancers and fancy lighting and carving, like all that stuff. And part of seeing that, you got an okay image of that, right? That wasn't the presentation yeah. of that was was fine, and how it was made flashy, but then di- just unfortunately detracted by the slow motion scenes as you went from uh, anyway. So that the the part of the cinematography I think is those slow motion aspects, which just drain on my nerves when you watch these movies. Well, and I can understand a certain amount of slow motion, but. In this particular genre, I don't think it's helpful. Uh, in order to kind of feel that, get that feeling of fright, that, that sense of danger, you're, it's not like the, the fast zombies that you would get in Dawn of the Dead, right? I mean, because when they, they didn't do the slow-mo on that, they were coming at you full speed. That was scary. This was kind of, eh, I didn't. I didn't get that same kind of thing. It was like, oh, this we're, this is like the, the the thing you get when you graduate from middle school to high school, and look at the time that you had. We're going over the previous year and stills. Yeah, that. There's just so many different aspects of how this film was presented to us. Now, part of it is, you know, we're going to get to the plot, so how some of those plot points were right. derived has to do with other features that we're seeing here too, but it's a trickle down effect. You know, if the director is not on his game and it has a weird look and the plot's bad, it's just, you're so busy focusing on one thing that's bad that you forget that all the things are bad. And it, but it goes the other way too. If something is so good that you don't notice it, you, you don't notice that someone has presented this lighting in such a nice a nice way or the sound in such a nice way because the whole presentation is so clean and crisp that only until you watch it a second or third time, do you actually appreciate some of those behind the scenes aspects of it? And there will be no appreciating any other aspects of this movie. So that's (laughs) which, which stinks because it's so readily accessible. If you have a Netflix subscription, you could just go and you can watch it again and you can see the highlights or the lowlights and you can kind of have a better way to criticize and see different aspects of it. But this is one of those movies that we mentioned it before. I just have no interest in going and, and seeing again because there's nothing that stood out that really drives me to want to see this again including including the look and the feel of it, let alone the zombies or the action or the killing or the storyline or whatever. But the actual look of it is just kind of no excitement to it. Well, so and here's I think here's a perfect example with the CGI that I think plays into this. One of the uh, one of the what should have been the crowning 
stones of the tiara that was the CGI for the film, I think is supposed to be the zombie tiger, which beyond the fact that it's just stupid, um, I didn't think looked all that great. I mean, so it's supposed to be this just massive, um, massive tiger that's zombie and it's supposed to be menacing and I just looked at it and it's like well it looks messy um <laughs> I just it didn't do anything for me I did it didn't didn't jump and I've mentioned this before in some of our discussions if you watch the Avengers movies in particular the ones that have Thanos so like Infinity War and Endgame Thanos isn't exactly polished in in those no and only after you watch it a couple times do you just think, yeah, his character could be presented better in terms of CGI. But it's not, when you watch the first couple times, it's not anything that you're like, no, well, that was bad. That or like really. that. But, but the tiger, you're right, it's just like, oh, a zombie tiger. And then it's just like, meh. <laughs> or the zombie horse. <laughs> why, why is there a zombie horse? Mm. All right, we'll get back to that one. Well, that, that's the plot. Why are there zombies? But that, yes, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> we'll a whole other thing. Um, the framing I thought was okay. And there, there was nothing in the framing that really messed with the, the tr- scene transitions. I thought were mostly okay. If you uh, bar the the normal Snyderisms uh, going from scene to scene, um, that brings up a good point, though. Um, our subscription for Netflix is just HD. I think most mm-hmm. people's are. So when you watch this movie, you watch it in the traditional HD, 1080p. And am I getting spoiled? Uh, because it's disappointing to watch things in HD now. Because after watching so many things on HBO Max or on Disney Plus that are presented in 4K, and everything's just so bright and crisp and sharp that when you watch this movie and it's only in HD, what a snob I am. It it it, it just has that, it just, just doesn't have that same pop, which in this film I guess was better because if this was in 4K, then the things like the zombie tiger and the zombie horse probably would have looked even worse. Um, but are we experiencing, like this is kind of a side note, are we experiencing 4K snobbery when we watch some of these things now? Well, I know that I personally am not, primarily because my TV is not 4K. <laughs> so I've never had to deal with that. Fair enough. Uh, a, a lot of those ones that I've watched recently, and I have notes on it in a couple uh, different things. So on HBO Max, which we've commented on before, has a lot of great things that are on it. But a lot of the premieres, so things like, for example, uh, Mortal Kombat that first month, or Wonder Woman, those were presented in 4K. But then some of the HBO premieres, not the Warner Brothers premieres, but the HBO premieres are presented in HD. So I go in to watch Tenet, and I'm like, great, this big, fancy, amazing-looking thing. I'm going to watch it in 4K. And it's just like, oh, HD, awesome. Such a snob. I'm <laughs> such a snob. I'll wait for it to hit disc. <laughs> so I, that's one other minor thing that I noticed about this, which falls into the cinematography right. category, plus the pixels. Um, there's definitely... I There's some weird pixel things going on. I had to go up to my TV and look at it closely to think, am I... Is my TV going out? And you can read some articles on it, too, that it was either a Netflix delivery thing or when they're doing the production for it, they failed because there's definitely some scenes where there's just random pixels out on the display. So it's very strange. Boo to you, cinematography. So for all of that, um, I still thought the presentation was, while not the worst in the world, it was okay-ish. I'm going to give that a 10 out of 20, I think. And for all my bad words about it, um, it could be lower, but I gave it a 10 as well. Yeah. So now to the meat and potatoes, the the place where most films and television go to succeed or to die on the vine. We're going to talk about the plot and writing. Now, we've already had some spoilers, and I, I tried to remember to say this ahead of time. And Often before in our older reviews, we would say, here's the spoiler-free kind of general thought process, and we didn't do that this time. We're going to get back to it, but this is where the super heavy spoilers come in. So if you've been listening to this point and you still haven't seen the movie and you think you really want to, you'll probably want to stop, definitely hard stop here, and then watch it and then come back. But uh, 
Yeah. So let, let's get into tearing this thing apart and talking about all of the things about it that we had issues with. Because it's pretty clear by now for anybody listening that, that they know neither of us like this very much. Um, okay, so how about I'll start. Um, I've watched a lot of zombie films. I love zombie films, kind of. It depends on how they're presented. And I think it's clear to me that Zack Snyder also loves zombie films. But the way that he approached it, he embraced some of the things that are in a lot of zombie films that annoyed me to no end. Um, I do not like zombie films that decide to say, hey, there's a zombie outbreak. What caused it? Yeah, no, we're not really going to tell you. Well, what does it mean to be a zombie? Yeah, we're going to play fast and loose with that. Not really going to tell you. Okay, that, that irks me. Well, they we know what caused the outbreak. Yeah. Which was the mysterious transportation situation yeah. that you're driving this highly classified thing through the desert with a couple trucks on in support. Right. And it's coming from supposedly area Area fifty one. Area fifty one. But let's let's drive it through Vegas. That's not, that makes sense. Yeah, why not? But it's such an important thing. Let's just put it yeah, basically in this sealed up little steel box. It's like an RV. Cool. Um, oh, it's really important. So let's have some support around it. Yeah, okay. Well, there's a couple, couple humvees, humvees around it. Cool. <laughs> That's it. It's, good job, guys. And then when the whatever it is emerges, these trained soldiers, so like... One, why did they crash to begin with? Like, how easily distracted are you if you're the one driving the vehicle? Right. This whole five-minute sequence is just straight straight garbage. But then when they're trying to shoot the zombie, I guess the zombie's invincible at this point. Or (laughs) none of the soldiers do nothing. They they can't shoot the zombie in the head. Um, But that whole sequence of what is zombie? Why is zombie the we get nothing. mystery? And that just begin that that whole sequence just is the straight frustration level of oh it's this type of movie yeah okay I mean and, and you were talking about it's like okay this is the military so it's in Area Fifty One they know what it is even though we don't know what it is they know what it is they've had it around for some time clearly. And why they're moving it, yeah, we don't know that. Okay, but if you're going to move it, and there's a realistic reason for you to move it, why would you not have, like, not a nuke, but something that would just cause it to incinerate if anything went wrong? There's no reason to not have that on there. Any military organization that I know of that would have this would have a fail-safe like that. Also, the troops would have a fail-safe plan, some kind of plan. You don't even have to tell the troops what's in there if you want to be secretive, but you can say, hey, if things go really wrong, here's what you do. You don't have to radio in and then have that delay thing that they did where, oh, you need to get away. You should probably just leave. Yeah, no, it would be, okay, that's why we gave you the six packs of C4. Uh, (laughs) Just detonate them right next to it now. Yeah, so many just, and that's just that one scene. Yeah, it was that's just, just that one terrible, that one scene. Um, so we kind of get introduced to the characters, right? Right, and their stories are normal people that end up having to deal with zombies. Yeah. Which that part I didn't have a problem with. That kind of gives you the flavor of how things went bad at a very, very surface level, and they don't really dig into it further, yeah. which. I'm annoyed with, but I don't really blame the film on that one because that this isn't the kind of film that's really going to examine that. Yeah, this isn't the behind the scenes. It's no. a, an event after the scenes have right. already kind of made their way in. So I, 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 I could come to I could come to grips with that. Um, okay, so now I'm going to do something that integrates the um, the pop culture death counts just a little bit because um, when I went through the film in, in the process of going through the kill counts. You know, we've got the fall of Las Vegas. All of the zombies are going to get killed. 
or not all the zombies, sorry, but all the humans are, are getting killed or turned into zombies and they've got to cordon off the entire thing. We get a kind of interesting thing at about the uh, 14-minute mark, um, uh, just under 15 minutes. So you see in the film that the entire bit of Las Vegas is being surrounded by these uh, crates, these containers. Um, and if you're quick enough and you look, they give you a graphic on the news program about how many containers there are and what the size is. Neat. So the graphic says that there's 3,712 containers and that it creates a border that is 42,240 yards long containing 72 square miles. Awesome. But actually do the math to that. When we look at it, the crates are stacked three high, which means that each container is approximately 34 yards long. Do you know any shipping container that is 34 yards long? Just doesn't work. So there's some small bit of math error in there. Um, now, maybe it's mine. Maybe I'm not understanding something. I don't think it is. Seems pretty self-explanatory from the graphic that they give. Plus, with the 72 square miles, if you actually look at the census map for Las Vegas, it don't match that. They give you the graphic on the screen where the circle is around, which is smaller than Las Vegas. But if you look at the census map and look at how the, the mileage is put out, there's about somewhere between 40 and 50 square miles that you can see on this map. So, and that's the whole area, <laughs> not the small little circle they made. So is it just the small circle that is done or is it the whole thing? And then they, it's, it's real uncertain and ambiguous. And that, that, that also irked me just a little bit. Maths. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm the rare person on that one. Who is really going to be looking at that graphic in that way? But I'm also the person in Queen's Gambit when the, when the main character goes into the drugstore and there's the rack of comic books. I immediately look at the rack of comic books and goes, those would not have been out at that time. It is inaccurate. <laughs> I, I've actually seen some headlines that pertain to exactly that scenario. So you weren't the only one that instantly pointed that out on that movie. Um, but in in your case, I think it made sense in terms of being able to see or identify that because we're really trying to get a sense on how many people actually... Who died. Died. And that's kind of part of the point of the kill count. But that gives you some information at least that you can kind of extrapolate a little bit get a rough idea on it and if you're giving inconsistencies on it now the 95 percent of the people aren't going to focus on it they're just going to say oh there's shipping containers and it goes around part of las vegas the right. end so exactly. i get it but yes if you're going to at least put the put those details up on the screen at least put those details up as you know accurate details on the screen right or just leave them out and have it be ambiguous and i'll i'll complain in a different way <laughs> <laughs> but uh so i mean so yeah that that was an issue what about um what about the whole issue with the plan in general did you have any issues with the whole go in and and steal money and it's actually just a cover for this thing they he wants his guy to go in and get the, the head for being the purposes of a weapon of mass destruction well, when they uh, threw out the numbers, was it $20 million, $200 million, $20 million. Uh, Oh, the, how much they're stealing? Yeah. I thought it was like $50 million is yeah, what it, they were getting. Something like that. A lot of millions. It, which, for you and me, is a lot of money. But for the scenario of this movie, it seemed like a lowball amount of money. Yeah. Uh, but if they're going to come out as a soldier with... You know, a couple million dollars. I did like the fact that they presented it as, oh, I'm going to give you this and this. And then every person that they added, they just <laughs> the kept smaller. trickling it down. And people were like, yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. Um, so that, that, that part was actually kind of funny. Yeah. But the it seemed to me like the amount of money isn't something that you, you, you see. For. Yes. Or you, that you see in terms of, 
a typical movie where they want to go and find and, and retrieve things. Like the value just seemed awfully low to me. But the, the, the aspect of go into a vault, get the money, come out. Oh, okay. I mean, that's, yeah. that's okay. It's a, it's a, a weak plot point, but in, in reality, if there was money in a place People would want to get that money. Well, that part I didn't have a problem with. Their motivation is good. I'm talking about the underlying twist. You know, there is a twist. and The money isn't really the goal. It's to get this virus. This zombie virus took out a city in just a snap. I understand the interest in having a destructive weapon. But something like this with anybody that had the least amount of common sense would know that this is not something you want to control or try and sell. Even if you're a dastardly villain, it's a stupid idea. And if you're like a multimillionaire, no, this doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me that they just did not compute. Well, maybe I missed part of it, but why couldn't you just go in, get a random zombie and cut off their head and go, like, why, why do you have to, to develop this whole thing to go in and take 10 people and let's, but let's go get the money. Like, did they just want the money also like, Hey, the money would be a cool thing to get too. I, I just didn't get why it was such an elaborate hoax just to go in and do something that you could have done in five minutes and just be done with it. So th- that part confused me a bit as well. Was it because they specifically wanted one of the, the alpha ones? alpha ones or Maybe. was I, I guess I never really, understood that they so didn't much. really determine because from what they explained in the film if the big boss guy bit one of them then it would become an alpha but if anybody else bought was going to bite somebody it became a regular zombie so how is getting the queen helpful at all the, uh, there were a lot of things that just didn't make sense like that there's also certain um physics that didn't make sense uh, how about the point at which uh, they're at the top of the building? You know, things have gone sideways. Everything is awful. Uh, people are dying. And they get all the way up to the roof. And they've got to, they, they decide, uh, oh, we've got to go back to the other building so that we can save uh, save the, the people that are being held hostage by zombies. Being held hostage by zombies. Okay. Well, they, and they knew, they knew too, that they were being held hostage. Yeah. And they were confident that they were alive, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that in and of itself is a little weak, but they're on the roof. So is Zombie Leader. The next cut we get is the helicopter is almost to the other casino. All of the zombies are on the road below them, also almost to the casino. Did I miss something? Uh, isn't, doesn't it take like a minute or two to take the elevators down and rally all your zombie troops and get them marching on the, (laughs) on the other location? But, you know, aside from that is why was the daughter there to begin with? We missed that aspect. Like, we're going to form this team and we're going to have military hardcore people and and then my kid's coming. My kid's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's like you couldn't tell instantly that when they decided that, first of all, you're like, why? And then and you're like, so okay, the, so what trouble is she going to get in because she didn't follow instructions? Yeah, or she's, she's let her feelings out outdo her logic. And, like you uh, couldn't see that plot, not twist, but plot arc. Yeah. A, a thousand yards away. It was all incredibly predictable. I mean, all the normal zombie tropes were there. A lot of the really bad choices that just just annoyed me. Oh, and that brings up talking about the helicopter. You know, beyond the fact that well, we got to get the helicopter working, uh, and oh, I managed to get this piece of junk helicopter. Okay, fine. I, I got past that. That why would there be a piece of junk helicopter on top of this? You know, massive. Um, hotel that apparently will shoot people that try and go down the, the hallway to steal from the unopenable safe. But okay, getting past all of that, anytime there is a helicopter in a movie, 
there is going to almost always be something like this uh, a fight that happens on the helicopter. And when the fight is on the helicopter, what's going to happen? <gasps> Pilot's going to get shot every single time. Just stop. Just stop. We don't. That is not what I want to see. Do something original. I mean, yes, this time the pilot didn't die, and a lot of times they do, at least not immediately. But it was enough to have it be that thing where, oh, no, we can barely control, and there's going to be a crash. What can we do? Oh, just no. Just no. And it was very aliens was the plot. Oh, I've got to go save. I've got to go save the little girl. Right. I mean, she's not a little girl, but got to go save her. You be here. You be here. And then they get back there. She's not there. Oh, but wait, she is there. Yeah. And they, it, it, I was like, wow. Even that scene, just not original in no. the least. So it was just. Mm. And what happens in most hack versions of zombie films? How does the film end? Everyone's dead. Oh, no, somebody got out and they're infected. Again. Oh, my Lord. Just, again, something new, please. So the, that character that got out, um, side note on this, a saw. <laughs> okay, your weapon's a saw. Great, got it. <laughs> no range at all. <laughs> okay, anyway, but the, the fact that they dropped a nuclear warhead... Right on top of Las Vegas. And then he just like, I got to bust out of this safe. Here we go. Now I can, and I'm good. So that's the other, was that the top of the safe or was that just like the bottom of the building? Because if that was the top of the safe, they've gone through all this effort to break into it. And all they needed to do is open the grate in the top of the safe. <laughs> yeah. It, so how exactly did they get that safe open? And why is there not the single smallest bit of radiation that is? No in the area at all so he can just walk out look minutes after the bomb is dropped and hey i'm good let's get out of here guys oh it's so bad i got some money so too bad. though look at me yeah an all-star so yeah so a few problems with the plot i mean it wasn't it wasn't all bad and i have to be i have to reiterate i mean this is an action horror film we can't expect too much from this i mean I didn't go in expecting any sort of real character progress, uh, progression, uh, changes in, in the way they see things or the way they develop because more often than not, they're just going to die by the end of it anyway. So any sort of progression is kind of moot, but it's always nice to see. And it's nice to see some character development. And there was just not a lot of either in this, which makes me sad. Yeah, there was just not a lot of teeth to this movie and in general and my final note on here is and we talked about this too low expectations for this movie yeah and we still thought it was awful yeah if that if that's that's not like a a, a telltale telltale sign for this particular movie is when you go into it you're like yeah this movie's probably not going to be good and it's gonna be bad and then you leave it and like man that was awful yeah Oof. And how was it that my big note was, how is this two and a half hours? This movie needed to be 90 minutes. And it was two and a half hours. Oh, my Lord. I mean, I, can, I love longer films. And, you know, I, I complained a little bit about the Snyder Cut being long, but it, it needed the development. So, I mean, I couldn't be too mad about that. And I wasn't mad about the length of Watchmen. I, th I thought that was the right length for what it was trying to do, most of the other stuff. But this film did not need to be two and a half hours. This film did not need to be. <laughs> so you had scores for our plot and writing. Oh, right, yes. Scores, that is important. Uh, for me, out of 20, nine. I was generous. I gave it an eight. Yeah. Now, this is the point at which we can give any extra bonus points uh, for what we think is uh, particularly good or particularly bad that we didn't cover before. Do you have any bonus points, Richard? Ha, that's funny. No. No. No bonus points, plus or minus. Now, for me, I do have a single bonus point. Um, there is a bit of music towards the beginning of the film that is done by the fantastic Richard Cheese. Uh, the 
somebody I'm always entertained by that takes songs and makes them into cheesy lounge songs and it's so much fun and as soon as I heard him sing it's like oh they got Richard Cheese for this this is great so there's another a nice little bright point Um, so I got to give one point for that now that gives uh, our final scores on a scale of one to a hundred for me 57 how about you Richard not the worst movie I've reviewed, but a 47. Yeah, so for me, 57, that puts us in um, just under D minus. <laughs> so <laughs> in the F territory, unfortunately, which means also Richard's score is an F. Yes, a score of 50 or a score of zero is still an F, no matter how you look at it. So yeah, pretty bad all around. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we want to know what you think. Uh, definitely let us know if you think that this was actually a fantastic film shout us out on twitter talk to us on instagram you know all that sort of stuff we're about to tell you